I just kind of fell into it doing an internship in college, really. Welcome to Creating Community with Dorian and Jake, a podcast designed to bring area leaders, business owners, and other interesting people together to better our community. I'm your co-host, Jake Starkey. And I'm your other co-host, Dorian Strickland. We're the owners of 1820 Coffee House and 1820 Marketing in the heart of Alvin, Texas. Today, we are recording from the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce once again. And again, like always, we appreciate the chamber being gracious enough to let us film in their facility. If you're a first-time listener, we would love for you to subscribe to Creating Community on your favorite podcast app. Creating Community with Dorian and Jake is available wherever you get your podcasts, or you can listen directly at 1820marketing.com slash podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring Creating Community, we'd love to talk to you. Our goal is to reach our community and let them know about great leaders and businesses that are helping to make it better. If you want to be a part of that, please email us at info at 1820marketing.com to start the conversation. In this episode, we're talking with Michael Abair of Gulf Coast CASA, which is Court Appointed Special Advocates. She is a recruiter, recruiter for CASA, and we'll find out more about it as we get into the discussion. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dorian and Jake, for having me. So are you originally from the Houston area? I would say yes. <laughs> say yes. <laughs> what would somebody else Sweeney? say? <laughs> yeah. I would say I would, I'm from Harris County. You're from Harris County. Yeah. We, okay. we won't hold that against you. Yeah, that's <laughs> all right. As Missouri County natives, went, but, uh, but yeah. So tell us a little bit about growing up in Harris County. Well, I went to uh, public school um, all my life. Um, one of twenty-five children. Wow. Yeah. So I have a really big family. Wow. Did you say twenty-five? <laughs> yes. She did say twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-three are um, sibling siblings, and then number one is a, a half brother. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. That's I don't okay. know him, but we just heard that we have a, wow. a number one, number one. So are these 23 natural siblings? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay. So, so we always talk about, we have friends in Alvin that have 11, maybe 12 kids and you're crushing it. <laughs> Your yeah. parents crushed that. Oh my gosh. Was there like five sets of triplets or something? No, there was three sets of triplets. Okay. I'm mean, sorry. Three sets of twins. No triplets. Oh my gosh. And they were all back to back. So like in the 1970s, oh it was like, what's wrong with the water? Oh my goodness. Stop drinking the water. Yeah, stop Jeez. drinking. Wow. It's probably not the Harris County water people. Yeah. It's okay. And, That's true. And so what was it like growing up with and 20? Where do, and where do you fall in that yeah. group? I'm number 19. Number 19. Or number 20. I'm, I've been number 19 all my life. I was actually called number 19. Young, like, um, I was in my you 40s. You were called number 19? Would, yeah, my dad would call me number 19. Because <laughs> okay. so, he hated the name Michael. Well, I was just going to say, yes. so you have the name Michael. Yes. Did your parents pick out names before they went and you just came out and they said, okay, Michael it is? Actually, a long story short, my mom had already determined I was going to have, she was going to have a boy. Okay. Uh, my grandmother had already monogrammed the next blanket. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. With the initials Michael and... Lo and behold, this girl comes out. And my mom said, well. Michael it is. <laughs> Michael it is. Wow. It's the 70s. Why not? So. That's fantastic. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what's it like growing up with that many siblings? I'm an only child. He's got one I sister. I have a sister and two older stepbrother or half-brothers. Oh, yeah. Stepbrothers. The majority of my siblings were already grown and out of the house by the time I realized I had that <laughs> many number, siblings. I just 19, thought I had sure. a lot of family. I was... I mean, I was told they're my brothers and my sisters, and they already had children that were older than me at that time. Right. But um, I've just always known big family, big parties, big food. Okay. A lot. And do you have children now? I do. And how many do you have? (laughs) 
I have six that we, (laughs) I have three natural born children. My husband and I have six together. Oh, wow. And then we have six Casa kids. Wow. 12, 12. Okay. I'm trying to get, I'm, I'm still working on the kids so I can catch up to my mom. Wow. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And and I would venture to say that's the easier way. (laughs) So So clearly you've always had, I want to say kids around, but you've always had kids around. Oh yes. Always. So is is that what brought you to CASA in the first place? Uh, You know, I fell into CASA um, working with the BCAC. Um, the and, and explain what BCA is. The uh, Brazoria County Advocates Center Okay. Um, here in Brazoria County. I wanted to help children of abuse. I just kind of fell into it doing an internship in college, really. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and where did you go to college? A university in Houston downtown. Oh, fantastic. Oh, nice. yeah. And so what did you do before CASA? Oh, I and before, in, before BCIC, before I came into the nonprofit world, yeah. I worked in the profit world in Pasadena. I worked for a business that was um, internationally doing uh, industrial work, scaffolding, painting, and insulation. Okay. So That's here's my question. What, what made that switch for you? Because I'm assuming you probably made more in the for-profit world than in the nonprofit world. So you didn't do it for money. Yes. Was there a, one moment that you said, okay, I'm going to do this, or was it just an over time feeling of being led to do this. I'd always wanted to be in the nonprofit world, um, just helping community, helping children, wow. helping. Um, I'd always wanted to do it. I did it in, as a volunteer with church and with, you know, outside organizations. But in 2017, my dad got really sick. He was in his nineties and he needed um, somebody to kind of babysit him which it ended up being reversed. He was kind of like, I'm telling me what to do. So right. <laughs> of course in their nineties, they're just great. Um, so he unfortunately got very sick at the end and passed away in within uh, 18 months or so. Oh, wow. So um, during that 18 month, you know, caregiving, um, I had left work to take care of him and I had, uh, had conversations with him, you know, just bedside conversations or just regular conversations. And he was like, when you were a child, you used to say you were going to be an attorney. And I actually have six attorneys in the family. So really? Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) A ton of my siblings are attorneys, but my father said, I remember you wanting to be an attorney. And I said, you know, that was when it was time to go to college. Mom said, attorneys, there's so many of them. You're never going to make money. Um, go into go into accounting. Well, it was because you know so many siblings were already sure. into the business. So my mom was like, "Go into accounting. You'll never be without work." And so I listened to my mom, and I went to business school at University of Houston downtown. Okay. And I went into business school, and um, ended up getting a really great job. The year I was supposed to graduate, I quit because I was like, "Well, I'm making the money. I've already got the job. I got wow. the job. I don't need the degree." So I ended up leaving. Have this conversation with my dad in 2017, 18. And um, I started thinking, I was like, you know, I should probably go back to school, but I want to go back to school for what I really want to go to school for law school. So I ended up going uh, to finish my degree, finished it, applied to law school, got accepted into three law schools, uh, did my internship here in Brazoria County. Uh, with Tom Selleck, who is now the DA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, It was my clerkship was with him way back when before, but um, uh he was the one who referred me over to BCAC and he said, maybe you should do some, you know, volunteer work. Cause he knew I, I loved volunteering. Right. So I decided to do that. And then I was like, okay, forget law school. 
So you didn't go. I didn't go because Fantastic. I ended up working for BCAC, and then I was like, Fantastic. oh, but I really like what CASA does, so I ended up jumping wow. over to CASA. Okay. So how long have you been with CASA at this point? For two years. Two years. Okay. And so we're going to get into CASA in a little bit, but I also know you don't live in Harris County anymore. Right. Not only that, you live in the Sweeney. Sweeney. Yes. Not a lot in Sweeney. Not a, and also, that's a big jump. Harris yes. County to... Absolutely. so fourth largest community in the country to Sweeney, right? Yes. <laughs> so what's that been like for you? Uh, to be honest, those first two years, um, I kept my dad in Harris County so I could drive to Harris County uh-huh. every day. <laughs> when I moved to Sweeney, I'd go, I'd commuted for the first year work wise. And then the following year when I quit, um, I just traveled to see him. Wow. Um, and then when it was time to bring him home with me, I was already acclimated at that point, but gotcha. it's been, a, it was, I would cry when I'd have to leave Harris County. Okay. So oftentimes people that grow up in a small town want to live in a big city. People that live in a big city want to live in a small town, but that wasn't the case for you. You were happy where you were. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like my parents village and it's literally a village. There's like 75 people and they're all related to me. Um, <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> They, um, it's a very small community. And so it's, I've only known just family. I've never, I mean, even growing up, I never went to a, a fast food restaurant or I've always yeah. eaten home cooked food. And well, they've got so to that's save what, money. You know, that yeah. was Sweeney life too. It's like, there are no, there aren't many restaurants, not to say there aren't any. No, no, sure. There aren't yeah. many, your options are limited on Sundays, especially. Mm-hmm. And we grew up, you know, eating home cooked meals. So it was kind of like. I was supposed to be in Sweeney my whole life, anyhow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah I'm, I'm I guessing, thought it for a little bit. <laughs> I'm guessing with 23 kids, both parents, you out to dinner one time, and you're talking about several hundred bucks. Oh, sure. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. even in the 70s, we're talking about a lot of yeah. money. So, yeah. I, I can, I can okay. imagine. So, yeah. do you still do all the home cook stuff now? Yeah. Or have you switched and said, well, I didn't get to go out when I was a kid, so I'm going to go out now? Actually, no? we, my husband and I tried to, because he was also raised on home cooked meals, so we tried to go out to eat, and it's just like we're disappointed every time. It's not the same. It's like, I would have added, you know, basil to this. Or right. Yeah. We're always adding stuff to it, so I'm like, why am I improving someone else's meal? Let's just <laughs> save I could our have money. just made it yeah. at home and really, but we do have like restaurants where we're like, Oh man, somebody recommended a restaurant. I'm going to go try it and try to be not as critical. Open minded. Yeah, yeah, we're sure, very sure. open minded. Yeah, very cool. All right. Well, yeah. So let's take a quick break and thank our sponsors. And then we're going to dive into Casa and all that it provides for Brazoria County. Absolutely. Hey everyone, it's your friendly neighborhood realtor, Parker White with New Villa Realty. It's not a secret the real estate market is red hot right now. Whether you have a dream of becoming a homeowner, your family's growing, and you need more room, or if you're an empty nester, I got you covered. New Villa Realty specializes in helping our clients achieve their real estate goals through a stress-free process and open communication 24-7. You will never be left in the dark, and I will be there with you for any questions you may have. Connect with me today so we can sit down and get you where you want to be. My phone number is 281-678-1811 or email me at Parker at Nuvilla Realty, N-U-V-I-L-L-A dot com. I would love to meet you. I'm Jamie Scafidi, President and CEO of the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber of Commerce exists to provide support to businesses and organizations in the Alvin and Manville area. With various networking and marketing opportunities every month, the Chamber can help you grow your business. Learn more at alvinmanvillechamber.org. 
Hey, we want to take a quick moment and tell you a little bit about 1820 Marketing, the producers of this podcast. We believe that when businesses have quality marketing, it gives business owners the freedom to focus on what they do best. We design websites, produce videos, and create marketing materials that help clients grow their business. Find out more at 1820marketing.com. It's something different. And now back to the show. And we're back with Michael Bear. And uh, she is a recruiter for CASA, for the Gulf Coast CASA, which is a nonprofit that serves local abused and neglected children that have been removed from the welfare system. It's been around since 1977. And the mission of Gulf Coast CASA has remained the same since then, which is to speak for the best interests of the abused and neglected children in the foster care system and to ensure proper services and placement in safe, permanent nurturing homes in the shortest time possible. All right. So let's talk about volunteering for CASA, because that's really what you're looking for. You need volunteers to come in and whether it's foster or whatever they need. So what does it take for somebody to become a foster and what does being a volunteer look like? To become a foster, um, really finding an agency that would help you foster um, the process through fostering. Uh, We encourage foster homes because it's very limited number of foster homes that are approved in our area. Unfortunately, Brazoria County is, you know, it's a large county, but we have very few people that are aware. I think the more awareness you bring to something, I think more people would be involved. Um, as far as becoming a CASA, uh, qualifications and requirements, uh, 21 and up, you must have a valid driver's license and insurance uh, because you will be visiting a child. We have to have that dependency um, sure. on the vehicle. Um, and although because of the certain times we are doing um, virtual visits where you can visit the child virtually remotely from the place of your home. So um, that's currently still approved uh, by Texas CASA. Um, Other requirements, uh, background checks. We have an extensive background check, um, a little bit deeper than a regular job uh, because you are working with abused children. We uh, must do a FBI fingerprint background check, uh, check, CPS background check, and then uh, just a regular automated background check. Um, Other requirements include uh, training. Um, We require you take 30 hours of training that we provide. Um, All all the materials is is included. Um, And, of course, the support and guidance on our end by our staff um, you receive. Uh, You must be sworn in by a judge in the district. Or your oh, county. Wow, I didn't know that. So the district judge, who's appointed, you know, by the people, um, will actually swear you in, and then um, you are assigned by the judge uh, to a case. And of course, many questions come up with being assigned. You get the opportunity to um, review the case before accepting the case. Yeah, that was going to be kind of one of my questions. Is I guess the way to, I would put it is that I love the idea of casa. I don't know that. I, I could handle it. Like, I don't know that I could do what these advocates do. And I'm so amazed because we know quite a handful of, of them. And I'm just so amazed at their willingness to, to dive in and work through all that with these kids who have experienced horrible situations. What do you say to someone who is like me that's on the fence and going, not sure it's for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm nervous about how I would react to those situations. Um, I, I honestly would encourage um, just get more information about it. Um, talk to other advocates. Um, take the training. I think the training benefits just a regular person anyhow. Uh, the training is over the well-being of a child. Um, you know, just those developmental 
standards for a child um, so that we most everybody has a child in their life, um, whether it's your own or right. you're surrounded by one. Um, it's also on uh, diversity. It's on inclusion in your community. By none of the children's fault, they are in this situation. So it gives you that opportunity to stand up for them. And then, of course, when you get the opportunity to choose the case, um, not all cases are the same. You know, we're right, not talking sure. about abuse to the highest level. In most cases, it's mostly neglect uh, because of parents' substance abuse or something like that. Um, the last thing we want as CASA is to pair you up with a case that would traumatize you, give you secondhand trauma. Uh, we do sure. talk about trauma. We teach you on, you know, how to gauge your own, um, I guess, your own levels to make sure that you're fine um, and you're not being abused yourself because it can be. Um, sure. And it's a lasting impression because you're in the child's life. Uh, there's a minimum of 12 months commitment, by the way. I'd forgotten to mention that. But in those 12 months, um, you're visiting the child once a month. And so you're actually building a relationship with this child. And so as you're getting, you know, you're building this investigation or a case or whatever you'd like to call it, um, you're actually um, building a relationship with this child. Sure, absolutely. So these babies come to you. They run to you. It uh, doesn't matter how old they are. I have a 16-year-old um, Casa boy that waits for me to come visit on right. a monthly basis. So are, are they in group homes? Where are they? Are they with other foster homes and you're coming once a month just to visit them? Or can you volunteer at CASA to actually be a foster home? Right. So the children are in different placements. Um, they can be in a residential treatment center, which is, you know, almost like a clinic or a hospital sure. for the child. Sure. Um, a group home, which is a, a home that is certified to home host more than one child, um, a group of children. Um, they could be in a foster home that is certified by an agency. Um, and they could also be uh, fostered by kinship family, which is just a family member that could step oh, up and yeah. say, um, you know, during these temporary times, I can be responsible for the children while mm. the parents are trying to reunify. So it sounds like probably what you're looking for the most, if I can dumb it down, if I can, is you're looking for stability. Yes. We want the children to be in a permanent, safe, and stable home. Absolutely. Yeah. And to answer your question about fostering, yes, uh, yes you would go through an agency. Uh, the state, uh, the Department of Family Protective Services, actually has a program, um, a foster and adopt program, that they provide for anybody who would like to become certified. Um, okay. And then you can go through organizations like uh, Catholic Charities or... Yes. Okay. Got you. So when you say um, um, visit monthly, what does that necessarily entail? Obviously, it can be any handful of things, but I, I think of Alvin ISD has Rise Mentors, mm -hmm. Pearland ISD has something. I can't think of the name. But those are during school hours. Those are like basically pulling a child out of class or during lunch or something. What are the typical, what would be a typical visit with these children through CASA? So as a CASA advocate, a volunteer, um, the beauty of the program really is that you have the liberty to visit the child at any time. Uh, your court order, because you are appointed by the judge, you are court ordered to visit the child on a monthly basis. So um, your visitation can be at their school, uh, at their home or their placement. Um, it can, you know, you can 
pretty much say, you know, I'd like to see the child at 6 p.m. on Thursday, the third of every month. Um, so there's no preset standard time or placement or place, you know, that you have to visit the child. It's just a one-time visit, and that visit is um, really according to your schedule. So you're at liberty to, hmm. of course, now the child has to be available, you know, right. if the child's in the middle of testing or anything like that, you wouldn't yeah. want to pull them out. But We're going to come by at 1 a.m. in the morning. Yes. They're asleep. What? Well, he might be sleeping yeah. now. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. So it's in the it's in the title in CASA, so it's an advocate. So yes. you're looking for people that are going to be advocates and think for, not think for them, but be their advocate for what purposes? So you want to find, um, after you do sort of like an independent evaluation, uh, you're visiting everybody that's in the child's life, not just the child. So you're, you're building okay. relationships with the child, but you want to know everybody in that child's life, um, teachers, doctors. Uh, their lawyers, their CPS caseworkers, um, parents, and including foster placements. Hmm. Um, while you're building those independent evaluations, you're trying to figure out what's best for the child. What does the child want? Um, many times, the children are teenagers or you know old enough to say, you know, I really want to go home. Is it safe yeah, to go home? Sure. Does mom or dad or parents want want you to come back? Um, do they want you back? Um, so, is everyone working towards providing the child the necessary needs. Gotcha. And what percentage of parents, I guess I, I can see when a parent decides, okay, I'm going to get clean. I'm going to try and do better, but I'm not there yet. How do you, I can see the child like, Oh, mom or dad's doing good this week. I want to go home. And how do you do that? Where the parent might even might or might not even understand, like I, I'm not ready yet. This is not, It'll be good short term. It'll be bad long term. And I guess that's where the advocate comes in to kind of walk them through and talk to the child about, you know, mom or dad's doing good today. They're on a pro they're in a process. They will get better. But you got to hold off a little bit before going home because I don't know. I think a child sees a parent in a good mood or, or better and thinks that everything's fixed. How do you as an advocate kind of walk through that with them? Because you're advocating, like you said, for them. Yes. And you're trying to get them in a permanent stable. but <laughs> And you're seeing things that the kid is not able to recognize. Yeah. And, then, and it is real because I can tell you from a personal um, experience as an advocate, um, you have many times you have parents that are just tired of the system picking on them or being, sure. you know. Or at least they feel like they are. Yeah, well, yeah, that, yeah, in, yeah. Their, in their eyes, yes. Um, I'm a very balanced type person where I believe in, you know, one, I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm for the child. So on the other two hands, I have the courts and what the courts are requiring. And then what is the family actually going through? So I build that relationship heavily on the family side because I'm not from your community. Chances are I live in Sweeney. So. That's right. <laughs> Although we have had a case in Sweeney, but I live in Sweeney. So um, I'm not from your community. I'm probably, you know, not friends with many people that you may know or any at all. Um, and then I try to understand, you know, everyone that's involved in the case. Um, and really, because we are court appointed, um, the court wants to hear our recommendations or concerns. And so if sure. you're concerned and, you know, you are building this rela relationship with, let's say, the parents, um, CPS removed the children or child from the parents, right? So... That was nothing on CASA's end. CASA's appointed sure. after the children have been removed. Sure. Yeah. Gotcha. So um, 
when you build that relationship with the parents, you have to make sure that they understand that you're not here to remove permanently remove the children. You want what's best for the children. Right. Obviously they're going to say they want what's best for the children. They want their children back or, you know, um, those are some of the things that you want to work with um, the families. It's very important because many times they're, you know, educated, um, not necessarily um, the same way you are, or you can't, you know, you can't place your, what would I do in that situation? How would I, you know, I've never been involved in CPS. Why is that? You know, you can't have that mentality. You have to have an open mentality and be very open to the way that they're raising their children. And we, and, and part of our training, which is a beautiful thing is that we train you on, you know, being open and understanding, um, and listening, you know, to, what the parents are actually saying and what they're doing Uh, because we do have an opportunity to bring our voice, our concerns and our recommendations to the court. And they are heard because I've had plenty of motions brought up to the court. And like I said, I'm not even an attorney, but we were trained to be um, in the stand up in the courts for the children. Um, I've had many times where it's like, Hey, I think the kids need therapy. You know, I'm recommending the children receive therapy because like you said, they may see mom, having a great day they may see mom you know come and visit with gifts but you know two yeah. weeks later fall off the tracks and then we're back in the same boat so it's kind of one of those things where it's like ooh, is it is this a is this healthy for a child to be you know a part of um i don't know how my children my personal children would feel uh if they were involved in something like that so sure. i think of the children um what did the, what would help the kids throughout this process because it's not it's not easy um and, and then, like you said you know it is it's it's like okay i'm going to trust you but everyone like cps is telling you oh she's been in cps system for years right. why are you trusting her and i'm like well i don't know her history i mean i've read her history sure. but maybe but we're in the times where we're really we're serious these children are going to be removed and yeah. be placed forever in someone else's custody and you're not going to get them back so yeah. is that what we really want and the, and i mean we really leave it up to the judge um yeah the parents have to do what they well it's what that they feel old in that I don't even know it's an old analogy, but trust, but verify. Yes. You know, like you're going to take in all, I would say a good advocate, it appears would be willing and able to take in all the information to, to make the decision and not just one aspect of it, which is, I, I got to imagine is tough because even like the last person you talk to, you know, we talk about when you interview someone like the first person, like for a job, the first person sets the bar and the last person is the one that you always remember. So if they do great, they set the bar as well in this where you're talking to therapists, kids and things like that. It's gotta be, there's a gotta, lot, there's a lot involved. Yeah, sure. exactly. It's not. Yeah. Well, we mentioned at the beginning that CASA, although you're talking about court appointed, all these kind of things you do, it's still a nonprofit organization. Yes. So you have a couple of fundraising events coming mm-hmm. up. Do you want to tell us about those on August 5th? I think is a virtual casino night. Yes. So we have a virtual casino night that's taking place uh, virtually. Um, It's going to be an online event starting July 30th through August 5th. And there will be a uh, raffle that tickets will begin selling July 1st and end on August 4th. Our online auction will open July 30th and close August 5th at 8 p.m. 
And then the, uh, the winners of the raffle will be announced live streamed on uh, August 5th at 5 p.m. So is there actually casino stuff going on? Because I've been to casino nights before. I've actually put casino nights on. So how does the virtual part of that work? The virtual part is actually run by a third party. Um, <laughs> we've So the casino night is actually something that is our biggest fundraiser. Okay. We've always done an in-person casino night. Um, it's always taking place at the El Campo Civic Center because oh. um, a little bit of history about Gulf Coast Casa is uh, the three counties merged to one in 2017. So it was Matagorda, Wharton, and Brazoria County merged to Gulf Coast Casa. So um, our big casino night was at the Civic Center in El Campo. Um, Now that we're three counties, um, we're looking for an uh, opportunity to start a fundraiser somewhere in Brazoria County outside of the second fundraiser that we have, the Color Me Casa, which is on our third, fourth annual. Um, and that's coming up in September. In September. Yes. Okay. And, and for those that don't know what a color run is, you get to get dirty <laughs> with colors, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> so the color run is a uh, run, walk, and children's stash um, coming up, August, excuse me, September 25th. It's nice. going to be at Freedom Park in Angleton. Oh, is it really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Our registration will start at 7 a.m. And the run... Uh, Children's Dash will start at 8, and the Color Run will start at 8.15. And that is um, at the end where the, uh, I believe it's cornstarch, colored cornstarch is. Yes. And it, it's like a powder. It's a that's powder. Throwing that's, it, yes. it, it makes big puffs of color. Up into the yeah. <laughs> big puffs of color, but wear clothes you don't mind getting stained. Right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, so visit the website, which is CASA, C-A-S-A dash M-W. And now I know what that is, Matagorda Wharton. Yes. Right. So CASA-MW.org mm-hmm. and the information will be there. We'll put a link in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. So for somebody that's looking to foster, they can go to that website, check out the information or not. To People that are looking to volunteer for CASA volunteer, can do yes. that. For those that feel they're not able to do that, because I, I get that too. I think mm-hmm. some people probably just not, they feel not cut out for it. They can support you financially. And that's yes, really absolutely. a big help. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, on our website. Thank you for coming on the show, Michael. Uh, Creating Community with Dorian and Jake is available wherever you get your podcasts or at 1820marketing.com slash podcast. This podcast is produced by 1820 Marketing. For show notes, visit 1820marketing.com slash podcast. We've decided that since we're 1820 Marketing, it would be wise of us to include marketing tips at the end of each episode. So we're going to start that today. We often speak with potential clients who ask us how to market. There isn't a one-size-fits-all playbook, so we say it this way. For marketing to be effective, you must be intentional. In order to have an impact, you have to be intentional with your marketing, whether it is a website, promotions, social post, or whatever it may be. You have to not only be intentional, but consistent. Set some time aside to market yourself Create a plan and stick to it. Great or even good marketing takes time and you likely won't accomplish your goal in a few weeks. If you want sustained success from your marketing efforts, create a marketing plan for several months, six to 12 is ideal, and stick with it. You can tweak your plan as needed, but don't change it before you let it run its course. In order to know if it's successful, you have to track your efforts. Again, it takes time to do it right. 
to get the goals that you want.